You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my friends who are much into music theater to different types of pop and rock music. And sometimes they'll introduce me to some theater music. You know the day destroys the night, night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side, yeah We chased our pleasures here Dug our treasures there But can you still recall the time we cried Break on through to the other side Hey everyone, in this episode we're going to be talking about The Doors the doors with me i have isaiah hello and romy knock knock who's there the doors (laughs) Ah. (laughs) (laughs) you know this you know i'm thinking this might actually be the first uh episode we've done without any of the main cast from the first six episodes it's sad but oh well what are you gonna do the doors is the debut album by the american rock band the doors It was released on January 4th, 1967 under Elektra Records. The producer is Paul A. Rothschild, and the genres are psychedelic rock, hard rock, art rock, and psychedelia. And I'm going to read the all-music review from Richie Unterberger. A tremendous debut album, and indeed one of the best first-time outings in rock history, introducing the band's fusion of rock, blues, classical, jazz, and poetry, with a knockout punch. The lean, spidery guitar and organ riffs interweave with a hypnotic menace, providing a seductive backdrop for Jim Morrison's captivating vocals and probing prose. Light My Fire was the cut that topped the charts and established the group as stars, but most of the rest of the album is just as impressive, including some of their best songs, the propulsive break on through to the other side, their first single, the beguiling mystery of the crystal ship, the mysterious end of the night, take it as it comes, and the stomping rock of Soul Kitchen and 20th Century Fox. The 11-minute Oedipal drama, The End, was the group at its most daring and, some would contend, over-ambitious. It was nonetheless a haunting cap to an album whose non-stop melodicism and dynamic tension would never be equaled by the group again, let alone bettered. Alright, what do we think of the self-titled album by The Doors? Um, very iconic self-titled debut i mean um, someone say the most iconic perhaps perhaps um i i, I like i like it a lot honestly yeah um, light my fire is like the poster child of the album it's like the go-to door song for me yeah um break on through is a great opener you know honestly all all almost all the songs on this album are great at in uh, more recent months i've come to think that some of my favorite yeah, tracks some of my favorite tracks on this album are like the ones around three minutes, like uh, Soul Kitchen, Alabama Song, Backdoor Man. Those are some real solid like blues rockers. And I used to think I was not a big fan of blues rock, but I guess like the the Doors are like doing something new and weird to the blues. And uh, yeah, yeah. They, they do a really good job at what they do. Alabama Song has no right being such fire. 
Yeah. It's a banger, you honestly. Know, if you you know, it you take Jim Morrison's cryptic lyricism and stage presence, Ray Manzarek's uh, classical keyboard forces, uh, Robbie Krieger's folksy guitar blues licks, and John Densmore's jazzy drum stylings and if uh, you heard what I said and I said I'm going to make a band out of these guys, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> that's never going to happen. Well, it happened. And it sounds amazing. It really does. Uh, it's not often you get a rock-style cover of an old show tune. I was just about I, to say but... that Doors do a show tune cover on this album, which which makes the, uh, the Doors a fan of niche theater. That's news to me. I did not know that. Yeah. I don't forget. I forget yeah, whether it was. That's probably the most. I forget. Was it was Alabama song or Whiskey Bar the show tune, or were they both show tunes? Alabama song sounds more like the show tune. Yeah, I was gonna guess that. Yeah, Alabama uh, got the idea for the cover from an album of German songs that Ray Manzarek had. Yeah, and uh, Alabama song is from a German play called Little Mahogany. Later made into. Uh, Rise and Fall of the City of Mahogany for for the U.S. And uh, not only did The Doors cover Alabama Song, but so did Bowie. Oh, really? Yep, it was Bowie. Oh, oh and uh, Ian Asbury sang it on, like, VH1 Storytellers with the surviving members of The Doors. Oh, yeah, like, uh, there was, like, this thing in the 2000s called New Doors, which featured Ray and Robbie with Ian Asbury, and then John Densmore sued because, like, no, no, you're, you you guys are using the Doors name without Jim and without me, and, and I, I he also wanted Eddie Vedder to be the lead singer if they ever did a Doors comeback band, and so they didn't follow through on his wishes, and mm. they and they successfully... That's reasonable. And they successfully sued Ray and Robbie. Yeah, something similar happened, like, back in the day. They almost licensed um, Light My Fire into a Buick commercial because Jim Morrison was away and the other members were like, okay, let's do this. But then <laughs> the Jim second... Morrison came back and he freaked out. What the frick are you guys doing? didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes yeah, sense. What are you doing? Jim and Jim Morrison was what really. What the hell are you doing, Jim? Jim Morrison really was the guy who was against the establishment. Like he didn't want to become a sellout. Like uh, I don't know some the other who? band. Oh yeah, we all know the Who sellout. <laughs> That's a great album too. Not only is it like worrying about becoming a sellout, light my fire. I don't know why that would be necessary in a car commercial at all. <laughs> It just makes no sense in the context. Well, a lot of a lot of songs have nothing to do with cars, but they're popular, so people use them in commercials. Yeah. Uh, now imagine if they licensed their song to like one of the Cars movies. That would just have been <laughs> oh, really God. weird. Like, uh, well, I, I want to. I mean, they. I want to know what. Life is a highway. I want to know what Chuck Berry was thinking when he let uh, the Cars people use Route 66. Imagine writing uh, like a number one hit song and the future generation is like, oh, that's from that one car commercial. <laughs> I'd, I'd be rolling in my grave. Well, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I would because at least it's getting recognition. Yeah, but at what cost? There was an SNL sketch. Are you about, famous? Like, Are you famous? Um, yes. What did it cost? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there was an SNL commercial where it was like 
Uh, it was a compilation album of songs parents and kids could enjoy together. <laughs> and the parents, because they knew the songs, and the kids, because they know them from commercials, like like <laughs> when the Beach Boys had one of their songs in a Sunkissed commercial. Sunkissed makes commercials? <laughs> yeah. I see them all the time in the grocery store, and I had no idea that they made commercials. I thought they were just always there. I thought that they were, they were always there. <laughs> they were just existing. They have nothing against Crush and Fanta. The whole car story reminds me of um, Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. I'm pretty sure it was also used in a car commercial, mm. except it actually made it through to the commercial and not denied. Anyway, um, uh, I... back to Light My Fire. Um... There's the famous story about uh, Jim Morrison and the Doors playing Light My Fire on the Ed Sullivan Show, and then Ed Sullivan's like, "Hey, hey guys, you gotta, you gotta change the line from we could go much higher to girl, we could get much better because <laughs> high at the time was like a slang for drugs, and like still people say we're gonna go high, high, we can go higher all the time. It's not like anything's gonna, not and yeah, but yeah, they still wanted the Doors to change." higher to better and of course jim morrison sang higher anyway because he is a rebel yeah. and instead of the ed sullivan show realizing they kind of made a mistake like uh, maybe higher isn't that offensive no one was whopping when he said higher maybe it's not that bad and they just banned the doors from ever performing in the show again Oof. It, like one of the yeah luckily it only ran a couple more years um like uh one of the producers says you're never you're never going to perform at the Ed Sullivan show again. And then Jim Morrison says, Hey man, we just did the Ed Sullivan show. So that's fun. If you do not jam to the Light My Fire keyboard slash guitar solo, you can't be my friend. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. You can't even watch this. You can't even watch this podcast. Get out. <laughs> yeah. I also like the Jose Feliciano cover. Um, it, it feels very sultry and stuff. And... Very um, Latin tinged. The Jose Feliciano cover of "Light My Fire." Yeah, I, was, I didn't know I was, it existed. Me neither. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people just know him for like "Police Navidad." Oh, that's the guy. <laughs> yeah, I really recommend you look up his cover of "Light My Fire." All right, and so anyway, it comes to my attention that there are other songs on this album. So, Indeed. so uh. Soul Kitchen is about Jim Morrison going to this uh, restaurant. He really likes it, but he wants to stay there all night, but he keeps getting kicked out because he's drunk. Yeah, Soul Kitchen's pretty good. I like the little keyboard in the beginning. Yeah, it's a... Very yeah. catchy. It has... It, it's, it vibes. It, it really vibes with me. Yeah. yeah. And if I remember correctly, Crystal Ship is right after, right? Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, it took yeah. a while for me to warm to that one, but it's a really beautiful song i liked it as soon as i heard it for the first time it was it's really pretty yeah i'd say you know the uh the piano bridge kind of reminds me of brahms's lullaby for some reason but it's a it's a really nice touch like the doors they could they could do hard blues they could do really psychedelic acid stuff and then they could do these classical ballads and not miss a beat uh -huh. because like like i said earlier jim morrison he can yell bloody murder in one minute, but a couple minutes later, he's crooning like uh, Frank Sinatra. And uh, <laughs> so he was really inspired by those uh, jazz pop performers like Sinatra, just as much as he was like blues man. Like, uh, um, I'm going to say like W.C. Dixon. 
who they cover on this album. Speaking of the W.C. Dixon cover, Backdoor Man, uh, that is a, uh, it's a, it's a really heavy song, really, not just because of the music, but because of the lyrics. So, a backdoor man is a guy who has relations with a woman while her husband has been out slaving away to provide for her. Guilty perpetrator if a wife was caught cheating was typically a tradesman caller, like the Iceman or an insurance salesman. He would run out the back door to avoid detection when the husband... You don't have to read the, the entire Wikipedia article, but thanks. <laughs> uh, it's not a Wikipedia. It, it's song facts. But yeah, Backdoor yeah. Man's about a wife cheating on her husband with someone whom I'm assuming is very fat because he talks about eating a lot of chicken. I'm not too fond of Backdoor Man as a track. Hmm. A lot of the tracks that I don't like, I just full on oh, forgot I remember- they existed. Uh, you were eating chicken yesterday, right? Uh, when we were fried chicken. Um, yesterday was we were- fried chicken day. Yeah. It's like a meme like, in the. Like it's a- like a meme in the Doors community that George Jim Morrison loves eating chicken. He's eaten more chicken than oh, any man's chicken. ever seen. <laughs> chicken. So Jim Morrison was fond of eating Scootaloo. <laughs> you know, earlier we were talking about uh, the Doors selling out to a car commercial, but and Jim Morrison didn't want that to happen. He didn't want the Doors to sell out. Then why did they name one of their songs 20th Century Fox? Yeah, what an odd naming choice. Like, yeah, when they... These days they would have named it 20th Century Studios Pictures. <laughs> she's a, she's the 20th Century Studios Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that that doesn't ring well. Or they would have called it She's a Searchlight Studios. She's A24. What better compliment could you give to somebody? She made Ladybird. <laughs> yeah. That's like making a song and saying and calling it Disneyland Rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Beach Boys actually did make a song called Disney Girls 57. Wow. But it's a good track, actually. I don't know much about the Beach Boys. I've listened to Pet Sounds and that's it. I implore you to dive deep into their catalog because it's they're not just all summer surfing whatnot. I'm more of a Beatles man myself. On most days, so am I. But I implore you to give the Beatles a chance. Beach Boys, a chance. But anyway, uh... 20th Century Fox is like one out of three songs on the album I actually think are weak. The other ones being uh, I Looked At You, although I, I can bop with that song. I think it's out of place with the rest of the album. And uh, Take It As It Comes, which is uh, I can't really find anything to s- salvage. I can remember most parts of it. I, I just, it's a nothing song for me. I, I have the same opinion. Oh, wh- uh, we didn't mention Break On Through to the Other Side. Oh my gosh. That's, that, that's <laughs> that is like, oh yeah, that is like the yeah, f- was, first song right out the gates. They, they they mean business. It's so hype. Yeah. Great opener. Yeah. yeah like, uh, it was in one of the trailers for Monsters, Inc., which really? only furthers my theory that Randall, yes, uh, I'll send you the link. Uh, 
It only furthers my theory that Randall Boggs died of a brick on through to the other side of his head. <laughs> Wait, that does... Using that kind of makes sense because the monster world, to, the, uh, to them, the other side is the human world, so... Wow. Yeah. I mean, what my, can't be said about Break On Through? It's it's just a great song. Yeah, you know, I have a original. Uh, no, not not an original, but uh, I got the uh, Doors out for my birthday, and uh, every time I listen to every time I listen to that Break On Through, the uh, the bridge, she get high, she get high, she get high, because it's like uh, the uh, the record company censored that, so instead of saying she get high. Jim Morrison is saying, she get, she get, she get. <laughs> yeah, they also censored the F-bombs on the end. Yeah. And the F-bombs on the end actually made me uncomfortable. You know, oh, yeah. the entire song of the end is uncomfortable. Yeah, it was in like one of that, it was in like that doc, wasn't it like in like that documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now? It was in the movie Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, but I the, uh, first came I've, to know that song. I saw the ending of Apocalypse Now, and uh, if they just used any other symphonic score, it still would have been a great ending nonetheless. But uh, including the end in that uh, film, it really heightens it, really. Especially since it's the Vietnam era. It's just, it's a, yeah. it's a great scene. But yeah, let's talk some more about yeah, the I end. Yeah, uh, I first came to know the end because um, Animaniacs did a parody of the documentary about Apocalypse Now, and they had like a little parody song based on the end. And at the end of the episode, they ran over a Jim Morrison parody. <laughs> Imagine what Jim Morrison would have thought. I came to know the end only because my grandma told me about it. She's like, "Have you heard this?" And I'm like, "No." And then I listened to it the following night. I and, I first uh, I first heard the end in a YouTube poop by Sylvanator and uh, I I wondered what the song was and I, I I looked up the lyrics and I saw oh the Doors my mom likes this band I'll just check out this uh, twelve minute song what's the harm <laughs> and then I get introduced to the concept of Oedipalism. Usually that would be a turnoff for a lot of people seeing a yeah. song over three minutes. Yeah, well, I'm a classical. Yeah. I'm a classical music guy, so I'll I'll take anything, any length. Like uh, the only song I have on mine that's close to that length is there's a song about David Bowie by LCD Sound System. It's called Black Screen, like twelve minutes long. Huh. So anyway, the end is like Jim Morrison's breakup with his girlfriend, uh, the Vietnam War. The westward expansion, even because Jim was really into Native American culture, and uh, and then he goes into this uh, concept of this murderer guy who uh, kills his father and apparently <laughs> his mother. Oh. And according to drummer oh. John Densmore, one of Jim Morrison's uh, concepts, philosophical concepts, was uh, kill the father, frick the mother, like because killing the uh, father symbolized the uh, the destruction of alien concepts and uh, fricking the mother was a representation of the rebirthing of new concepts I see yeah it's yeah, a so it's really Oedipus. yeah it's still I mean 
No matter how much I say it, no matter how many uh, little things I say about it to make me feel like an intellectual, that it doesn't change the fact that it's creepy and weird. Yeah. Yeah, I... But Jim Morrison himself was creepy and weird. But he made some damn good music, so... Yeah. Sometimes his uh, poetry can uh, come off as a little uh, goofy, but when it works, it works. Yeah, wait till we get to an Outsider music album. When, when you take over the uh, podcast no, for your birthday month, or half month, you could introduce us to some of that music. Um, I don't want to subject you to most of it, except for Daniel Johnston. He's pretty cool. Mm, all right, good. Honestly, the, uh, the end is The Doors' magnum opus, not just lyrically, but also instrumentally. I love how uh, the instruments, uh, they're mimicking, like, Indian instruments, so it has, like, a nice raga feel to it. It's just, I mean, it's just a great track. It has creepy undertones, but that's what uh, gives it its weird charm. I always would have thought that L.A. Woman would have been their magnum opus, considering it has Riders on the Storm. You know, I used to love, love L.A. Woman. It used to be in, like, my top ten albums, but after listening to many more albums, it kind of shriveled on me. Like, it's still a good album, but I can... I should probably re-listen to it. I could, I could think of, like, a bunch of better albums. That doesn't mean I hate it. I It's just... Yeah. So, um, believe it or not, this album gets a lot of good reviews. I know it's hard to believe. No way. Oh, before I mention this, uh, I should note that the Doors cover of Alabama song is uh, categorized in Wikipedia as both avant-garde and ska. And I don't know why. None of this mm. seems avant-garde or ska. Uh, it's a little bit avant-garde, but it sounds nothing like, uh, I don't know, Cherry Poppin' Daddies or Real Big Fish. That reminds me, I don't know if it's there anymore, but if you go to the Wikipedia page for... Wild Honey Pie by the Beatles. I'm pretty sure one of the genres says lo-fi. <laughs> so it's the still there. It's still there. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That reminds me of somebody who like deleted all the text on the Batman Wikipedia article and replaced it with several variations of Batman. <laughs> I I saw a tweet earlier today saying like how petty are you and the guy responds I uh, changed an article on Wikipedia just so I could prove myself right. That person's going places. Yeah, uh, the Doors is the number forty nine best album of all time on Rate Your Music. There are forty eight albums better than the Doors. Yeah. I believe it. It just <laughs> depends on what time period they're from. Yeah. And I believe I told you about our good friend Robert Christgau, right? Right? I yes. Well, let's read his review of The Doors. He gave it a B-, which is probably the most common grade he gives albums. He starts out nice and refined and says, The tunes retain considerable nostalgic appeal. But then he turns into like some butt-hurt teenager and goes, I can't get around it! Jim Morrison is an asshole! <laughs> In, Another classic example of oh. combining the music with the man. In his defense, however, Morrison is famously a drunken buffoon. Charismatic as he was, he's still a... I'm just not going to mince words here. He was an asshole. I can't believe you made me do this, Chris Gow. You made me oh, say you um, have a point. How dare you? Oh, the on acclaimed music, The Doors is at number 36. So there's 35 albums better than The Doors. Oh, God, which one do I believe? 
on back to my subject on Jim Morrison being a drunken douchebag. Uh, some examples of his uh, a dangerous fellow being that he uh, he got into more than one scuffles with the police. He was actually the first rock star to be arrested on stage. Like, you would have expected Elvis Presley to be shaking those hips, and the police were like, Oh, those hips are scandalous. We need to arrest this guy right away. But they never did. It was always Jim Morrison who was arrested first. I think I heard about that. I, 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 according to the story, he they thought he was in, getting in this lewd contact with this girl. Hmm. Speaking of contact with a girl, in 1968, he and Janis Joplin were at a party, and they started off amicable. There could have been some uh, romance sparked, but by the end of the party, both of them were drunk, and as Janis was leaving, Jim Morrison pulled on Janis's hair, and in response, she socked him right in the face. <laughs> Karma. Yeah, and Ooh. and I could and talk. And they both died at 27. Yep, they're both part of that legendary 27 club, the legend 27. The legend 27. <laughs> and I could talk all day about the infamous Miami incident, but we should probably get to that at a later time. At that point in Jim's life, because I don't know if y'all are ready for that. But I'm I'm just gonna. I think I might know. I'm just going to end this by saying Jim Morrison was a buffoon. And in a strange way, I kind of relate to him. Not the whole bloated rock and roll star personality, because let's be honest, no one is ever going to be able to relate to that. But both me and him were uh, military kids. We have a kind of a strange relationship with our father, and we both uh, believe in individualism. And uh, at his core, Jim Morrison was a good, kind-hearted person. At the uh, 1991 film starring Val Kilmer doesn't help that because Ray Manzarek actually hates that film because uh, it portrayed Jim Morrison as the drunken buffoon that I just talked about. It just portrayed a really pretentious uh, drunk guy instead of an actual human being. I mean, you want a realistic adaptation, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you look at something like Walk Hard, pardon me for the all, all the Walk Hard analogies, but it always fits. Like I mean, John C. Riley basically touched every single rock star in in the 60s and 70s yeah. for that. I find it funny that it, it was mostly a parody of Walk the Line, and uh, he and he ended up starring with in a movie with the guy from Walk the Line. Mm, Joaquin Phoenix? Yep. You mean the Joker? Because that's all he is now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> How about another joke, Murray? <laughs> I could easily see Jim Morrison as like a Joker type character. I mean, if we Jim... live in a society. Yeah. I mean, if Jim Morrison didn't die, he could have written a song with the word "society" in the lyrics. Was... <laughs> yeah. Yep. He was all about that counterculture stuff. By the way, Jim hated the fact that he was a cult icon. He believed in individualism. 
You know that scene in Monty Python, Life of Brian, where Brian's like, you are all individuals, and everyone's like, yes, we are individuals, but they say it in perfect unison? Yeah, that just replaced Jim, that with Jim Morrison and his, the Doors fans, because he hated the fact that he was uh, being heralded as, like, a, a messiah. And that's a part of the reason why he uh, went to Paris with Pamela, his uh, girlfriend at the time, and which is where he died. So sad. So in conclusion, Jim Morrison, at heart, good person, but still a drunk asshole. All right, let's uh, go. Yeah, let's go around. Just like Dewey Cox. Yep. All right, let's uh, go around. Uh, Jackson is not here with us tonight, but he gives this album a nine out of ten. All right, uh, Isaiah, what would you give this? Um, I've already said most of my opinions. I'll give it a nine point five. Fantastic debut album. Just overall, I'd give very good. I'd give it a nine as well. Pretty bopping. Yeah, and this is amaz. This is like amazing. Like I will admit, the production could be better but for it's 1966 when this was recorded so this isn't gonna sound like freaking hades town or whatever it still holds up for the most part though yeah Mm -hmm. and uh jim morrison is uh, a masterful lyricist and he he wrote all of this and comes off as pompous sometimes comes off as regular pop stuff but still i mean this just is one of the greatest starters by a rock band and uh honest and the four created an album it had some faults in some places like uh around, man, cough, cough. no i'd say between backdoor man and the end is like the only part that i w- won't say i i entirely like but yeah like this is a really solid debut album by a psychedelic blues band and uh they just do a really good job and uh I think we're going to give this a 9.52. It's really good. Mm, pretty good average. Yep. It's probably in the top five. It better be. All right, so uh, fun fact yeah. while we are recording. Just more Jane Smith's birthday? Shh. It's not. No. Frick Jane Smith. Today is Ringo Starr's birthday. Yeah, the only important one. Ah, happy birthday, Ringo. Just Assuming waiting on our. Hear our podcast. We're just waiting on our Ringo Profit Cade to show up. I'm a backdoor man. That's right. I'm, that's right. I'm singing backdoor man in spite of Isaiah. I'm heartbroken. Uh, I just had a cursed thought. What if the Monsters Inc. trailer had backdoor man as the. <laughs> well, they are coming in through doors. I, yeah, it fits. I'd love that kinda. so much. There's like a Disney or a DreamWorks movie, and one of the songs they included was 20th Century Fox. The doors sell out. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, another another famous Jim Morrison anecdote. I forgot to mention, the uh, details might be a bit fuzzy, but I believe Jim Morrison actually threw a TV set at a fire alarm once. Because that's how you solve all your problems. <laughs> yeah. About the old TV set. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, for Isaiah, since uh, you haven't been on this podcast when we were doing The Wheel, The Wheel is a collection of a bunch of albums that I spin, and it determines the next album. And uh, if we get a concept album or a rock opera, we have to look at a theater album in the in the next two episodes. Uh, that sounds nice, right? Uh, yeah. For the next one episode. 
Before I announce the next album, our Ringo Prophet Kate has arrived to wish his happy birthdays to our Lord Ringo Starr. Yes! And as we all know, with this podcast, birthday wishes are a thing, so we better be covering a Ringo album next, you cretin. So, anyway, yes, give praise to Lord Ringo's day of birth. Mm. Now he's like 85, (laughs) and that's good. Okay, now say the next album, Andrew. The next album is not Ringo Starr, but he would have liked it anyway. The next album is Steely Dan, Can't Buy a Thrill. Oh, interesting. I haven't listened to Steely Dan. Hmm. Is that a JoJo's reference? (laughs) Oh, yo, fellow Joe bro. (laughs) All right, (laughs) thank you. This is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end. My only friend, the end of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands, the end. No safety or surprise, the end. I'll never look into your eyes again. Can you picture what will be so limitless and free? Desperately in need of some stranger's hand in a desperate.